This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. That's awesome. I'm dripping here. Well, how many are excited for the word? I want to say this morning, I, know, I don't normally do this, um, but I want to say this this morning, that um, I honestly believe if you are a junior higher, if you are a youth, or if you're a young adult, I honestly believe that this message series that we're starting today will save your life. I honestly believe it. Um, I honestly believe that this is a message, if you hold it dear to your heart and you, and you live out the principles of this, and this is for everybody, but specifically I've been feeling for uh, our young people that God would just awaken in you a desire to live out the principles of this message uh, in a way that is not only consistent, but is something that you take very seriously every decision and every process that you go through with your life. Uh, Many of you may know this, but we're from the Toronto area. I'm from Oshawa, born and raised from the Schwa. I know I need prayer. And... um, I remember approximately 15 or 16 years ago, there were three separate incidences on the 401 uh, that caused, uh, really, in a sense, Oshawa to become front and center on the news, uh, which, again, if you know Oshawa, Oshawa's never in the news. Uh, there's really not much that's newsworthy there, um, except me, of course. No, I'm just joking. No, it's all good. Um, but there was three separate incidences, and all three incidences uh, were incredibly destructive, the last one being fatal. And here's basically what happened is there were three different situations where there was a transport truck with an extra wheel that did not have a proper lug nut on the side that was loosed in transit on the 401. The The wheel came off, skipped over, you know, the roads, went right across the grass and hit somebody coming the other way. And the last one was the most uh, horrifying because it was a young mom that had passed away because of a... Uh, uh, literally a tire coming off in transit on the 401 that should have been tied down. And so MTO actually went into this whole process where they now regulated tie downs and all these different uh, regulations on trucks, uh, especially 18-wheelers, because of those issues. And it literally changed uh, things for even truck inspections, uh, which I'm sure truck drivers aren't too fond of. But, um, but it changed everything. They found out with the last one, they had determined after they've done a study and after they processed through the dynamic of what had happened with the accident, they came to the conclusion that a guardrail would have saved your life. But there was no guardrail on that particular section of the 401. And so I want to talk to you this morning. For those that have been around the church a long time, um, there's a series that's been kind of famous in our church for a number of years called Guardrails. And I really felt to pick it up again and kind of 2016-inize it. Um, And so that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to talk for the next couple of weeks about this. But a guardrail is what would have protected these people. I believe that this is a now word for our church. This is why I'm doing it. This is the first time actually in our history that I've ever repeated something as far as a series is concerned. And so I feel very strongly that this is important. So what in essence is a guardrail? You can see the definition behind me, but it's a structure designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And so the most, most of the time that we see that on the highway is either on big curves 
uh, or soft shoulders or bridges or at times medians. But all of them are with a very specific purpose to protect you, to guard you and to keep you from the most dangerous or off limit areas. So what can we learn about guardrails? Well, the first thing is this. A guardrail in the natural directs and protects. It directs and protects your life. The second thing is this, is they are strategically placed. How many are thankful that guardrails are placed on this side of the danger zone, not in the danger zone? Because if it's in the danger zone, that's not going to help you very much. Because you're going to literally end up where you're not supposed to be. They are placed not in the actual areas of danger, but just on this side. And with the hopes that if you rub against it, it would protect you from what's on the other side. That's the whole goal. The assumption with a guardrail is very simple. The assumption is that if your vehicle hits a guardrail, that the damage done because of the guardrail will be a lot less than it would be as if you didn't have a guardrail there and you went right through to the other side. Okay? So, those are three basic things that I want to just lay as a foundation for this series. I think it's going to help you and save you. So, what in the world do guardrails mean for us spiritually? Well... I believe, in essence, a spiritual guardrail is designed to alert your conscience to something dangerous on the other side. How many are, how many are ever concerned about your children or, your, or maybe a friend or a family member or maybe a coworker that are making decisions and they've got no filter for their conscience and there's nothing that's telling them this could be dangerous, this could be wrong, this may not work out very well? Well, I believe that spiritual guardrails are designed to put in place in your life so that it will alert your conscience to the danger that is on the other side. And if I can say it like this, areas that are off-limits, quote-unquote sin, okay? How many know that your greatest regrets could have been saved if you had a proper guardrail in place? Now, thank the Lord we don't live in regrets. And thank the Lord we don't live in condemnation, or we don't have to beat ourselves up, or we don't have to struggle with what's going on in our life. But God is here. He has an infinite love and mercy for you. And we believe God today that He is going to set you free from every last decision paradigm that messes up your life consistently. God's going to set you free, and He's going to help you put healthy guardrails uh, in life. How many know that we live in a culture that doesn't believe in guardrails? They don't believe in it. As a matter of fact, they consistently make statements that are actually so polar opposite of a healthy guardrail in your life um, that it changes everything. The first thing is this. I'm going to reference it only because um, of a very interesting phrase that is used related to this issue. But the first issue would be the issue of alcohol. For those that want to find out what kind of what we feel about that, you can let, check us out on the blog. But I want, I want you to hear a statement that is said so many different times. How many have ever heard this, uh, the statement, drink responsibly? There ain't no guardrail with that because it's, it's totally interpreted according to everyone's opinion. Well, it depends on where they're at. depends on what they're doing with themselves that night and, and how far they're, they're thinking they're going. So for some people, it means be a social drinker and you're okay, right? For some other people, it, it means having a glass of wine for dinner occasionally and then that's okay. For others, it means absolutely getting hammered, but as long as you have a, you know, a driver to drive you home, you're okay. So what in the world does drink responsibly mean in our culture? Well, there is no definition to it. So it allows the, the opening to basically anything. The second one is this. I don't know if you've ever heard this uh, topic uh, regarding sex. Uh, wait till you're ready. Wait until you're ready. Well, some 13-year-olds believe from the moment that they turned 13 that they were ready. 
Somebody, because of their friend and what their friend's doing, believe that they're ready because of peer pressure. Right? Some people, it means waiting till you're married. Just so you know, that's what the Bible says. So anything outside of that is no good. You said, do you believe in virgins getting married? Yes. What happens if I've messed up? It's okay. God can restore. Because God's a loving God. Amen? Some people believe they were born ready. Let's be honest in church this morning. Some people believe they were born ready. But I have news for you today. Wait until you're ready and drink responsibly is the biggest confusion and deception I think I've ever heard. And those are just two examples that I'm using. I could use several others. Why? Because the reality is, is our world does not live by guardrails. They just they put out a whole bunch of thoughts and ideas that really cater to your desire rather than cater to your conscience. That was a good point. Thank you, Cameron. Amen. But none of those statements or none of those issues alert your conscience to a problem that's directly on the other side. And that's the issue. Okay? Um, it's not a new or original idea, but I want to say this. Uh, both the Old Testament and New Testament reference this concept. It, it, it just doesn't use the same terms. Um, why, you may ask. Well, it's very simple. Um, Abraham and Sarah didn't drive in a Ford or a Chevy. Could you just imagine as they're walking along their camel, whoa, Nelly, don't hit the guardrail. I mean, the reality is, is there's no guardrails on the, in the desert, right? It just doesn't exist. And so because there's no guardrails, don't miss the fact that this is an incredibly important principle. I'm going to start at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 18. And I know we've referenced this even recently, but I just want to show you something unique about this. Um, the context of this verse or this passage of Scripture is that Paul literally has just talked through the, uh, the church of Ephesus about very particular issues in the church and very particular things that they need to be aware of to protect themselves from. So he actually references uh, things like sexual sin, greed, immorality, obscenity, dishonesty. Okay, He's referencing some of those, and those are just some of the things that he references. But then he warns of natural and uh, unnatural consequences of those behaviors. How many know that the human response to most of this stuff when it comes to bad things in your life is you'd say to me, hey, listen, we're with you. We're totally with you. But it's hard to be that good. Well, I have news for you today. Paul's conclusion to this actually gives you the answer to how you can be that good with the help of Christ and actually overcome those temptations in your life. So let's start at verse 15. It says this, Be very careful then how you live. Dog owners would understand this. It literally means, be very careful where you walk. (laughs) Right? Do you know what I'm saying? All dog owners on the planet understand this point more than most people. But I have news for you today. Be very careful. It doesn't say be careful. Be very careful. Okay? Not careless, but be careful. Look around. Look ahead. Look behind you. Look around you. Look who's in your life. Do Do a relationship evaluation of your life. And see if there's some unhealthy guardrails that are actually either too far out or not even in place in your life. Goes on and he says this be very careful then uh, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, have your eyes wide open. There's a great book that Andy Stanley wrote uh, a couple years ago called Ask It. Ask It. And here's literally the entire point of his entire book, and it's, it has literally struck me. It's literally been a guide for my decision-making 
in my life. And he simply said this, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, is it the wise thing to do? Say, well, you know, some of you come to me and say, you know, I I know God's forgiven me of my past. I agree with that, and I, I absolutely agree with that. But at the same time, do not be unalarmed by the historical patterns of your life. You know, there's certain things that I avoid like the plague, not because I feel like I'm not free, but because I know I'm free and because I want to stay free. So I avoid those things because I don't go anywhere near it. I'm not fearful of it. But I, I've, I've given myself some very, very healthy guardrails as far as certain issues in my life. Because my wife and my children are far more important to me than anything else. Right? You got it, dear. All right. It says in verse 16, making the most of every opportunity. It literally means to redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How many have ever turned on the news recently? How many looked at your, your news feeds off your, your app, off your phone? I mean, just look at the news headlines. Other than Donald Trump, you know, commanding the headlines. Other than that, look at all the rest of the headlines. It's negative. It's hard. It's difficult. It's, it, it's circumstantial frustration that's going on in the world today. And God literally wants to say, enough's enough. Let's focus on what is most important making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It goes on in verse 17, it says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. In other words, face up to it. Quit deceiving yourself. Make good decisions. Evaluate honestly. Okay? You already know, and oftentimes, you already know what God wants you to do. But you're struggling to make that decision. Okay? And verse 18 comes along, and Paul tries to capture this entire thought with verse 18. He tries to, to help us to understand that one thing leads to another. I think probably the biggest area of, of I don't know, I'm trying to think how to word it. Probably the biggest issue that we see, that I see in people's decision making paradigm uh, in their life, is they do not see the connection between today's decisions and tomorrow's circumstances. They live a disconnected life. They think that they make a mistake today, they can figure it out tomorrow. And it's not going to cost them tomorrow. That there's going to be no circumstances tomorrow. The reality is, is a wise person understands that there's a connection. Okay? So it says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And he goes on in verse 18, he says this, do not be drunk on wine. What's the issue? Is the issue alcohol? Is it drink responsibly? No, it's not the issue. He goes on and he says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. What in the world does that word mean? Thank you for asking. I'll give you the answer. It literally means this. Extreme indulgence and loss of self-control. Extreme indulgence and loss of self-control. Follow what he's saying here. It wasn't the drinking that was the problem. It, It was always what it led to. In other words, you have to understand there's a connection with your decisions. What you choose today will affect tomorrow. What you choose right now will affect 10 minutes from now. It's connected. He goes to the end here and it says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. The influence here, uh, the issue is influence. That's what he's after. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the guardrails that you're going to have in place will protect you from things that are on the other side. I guarantee it. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk very specifically about one particular guardrail that we need to put up. 
And it's in, in the context of relationships and friendships this morning. So not romantic relationships, but I want to talk specifically about, um, about friendships, about relationships in your life. How many know that when we were kids, our parents made decisions uh, that we actually thought were fanatical? Um, almost paranoid, right? Um, needing psychiatric care and help, right? Because they would think to themselves, I don't like the kids that you're hanging around, so we're going to move and we're going to switch schools. And if that didn't work, they're going to homeschool. And if that didn't work, they're going to move to their own private island in the middle of the South Pacific so that no person could ever influence their children negatively ever again. How many have ever seen that? Okay. But interestingly enough, we became a parent. And we're worse. We're creeping on our kids' Facebooks accounts. We're creeping on their text. Every time they're not seeing, we're, we're checking out their phones, seeing who they're texting to, and checking out what they're doing. We are finding out all the information. We are like literally consumed with making sure our children don't make the same mistakes that we did. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Right? <laughs> There's now going to be an altar call for people that have been struggling with this particular issue in their life. Lord Jesus, I release control of my children to you. Just help me keep their Facebook account so they don't know Jesus. Everything else is good. Everything else is good, Lord. Just their Facebook account and I'm good. I'm good. It's all good. Why were our parents fanatical? Why were they nuts? And why have we become the same way? Well, because we understand something. Your friends can affect and determine the direction and quality of your life. Someone said to me many years ago, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that has stuck with me for years. Why? Because they can, they can affect you in a way that you would never think. But they can affect your decision. They can affect your life. They can affect your choices. They can affect what you post on social media. They can affect how you behave in one place and then behave differently in another. They can affect the consistency of your life. And I have news for you, especially if you're a young person here this morning. They can rob you of the very future hope and dream that God has placed in your life if you give in. But the good thing is, is God can restore it. Amen? Your friends will influence the direction and quality of your life. But thankfully, it works both ways. How many have ever been at a baptism service at Impact Church? Probably one of my most famous, favorite moments of being a pastor. But what's interesting about those moments is when you hear the testimonies from people in the tank here, or you see them at, in uh, St. Lawrence River, Grass Creek Park, uh, you know, over east of the city, the, the consistency is always that, yes, God, I love God, I'm making a decision for God, but every single person references somebody that's had an influence on in their life for the good, spiritually influence them. Uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing to me to see uh, different people who've had influence and effect uh, in different people's lives. Not that I want to point them out, but I thought Wayne's, this past one, was awesome because we had several people coming in from out of church just to see him, just to be here. You know, when Ray was uh, going through an ordination process, we had 35 people in here, 40 people in here that were not from our church because they love Ray. When you see that kind of feedback, it's like, because these people have had influence in their life. So we understand it. Proverbs 13.20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools 
suffers harm. I'm going to say that again. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. This verse in particular has both a promise and a warning. Actually, God's word, for the most part, always comes with a promise and a warning. But here's the promise. The promise is this, that you become wise by living around wise people. I like it. Um, And I have news for you. Those people that often say that they're wise usually are not. Just observation. You know, I don't feel like I've learned much in life. But that's one thing I've actually noticed. People who say that they're all that, those are the people to run from. Okay? All right. What is it saying? The promise is this, is that wisdom is contagious. It rubs off. It gets on you. Okay? Wise people understand that life is connected. In other words, decisions made today will affect my tomorrow. Okay? But the warning is this. The warning is for a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, you risk something bad happening if you run with fools. Problem is, is we would probably never describe the people we're struggling with as fools, which is part of the deception, right? At least you would never want to say it to their face, or maybe some of you would. I don't know, but it, I don't know. But this is how it goes in your head. Are you ready for this? I'm not as bad as Can anyone relate to that? I'm not as bad as, fill in the blank, don't say my name. I'm strong enough. I know when to stop. Can anyone relate? The problem with this warning is it's not the companion of fools becomes a fool. You see that? The warning is that shrapnel from the fool's life is going to get on you. So stay away. It doesn't say you become a fool. Oftentimes what happens is you actually become a very, very quiet, reserved, stick yourself into a whole wise person that doesn't ever want to come out and help influence other wise people with wise things because you're so full of shrapnel, you've found a hole, you've dug yourself into it, and you don't want anyone to see you because you feel ugly and you feel bad and awful and you feel like if someone saw what is stuck in you they would never want to be your friend so in your mind the wise thing to do is hide i have news for you today god only wants to bring you out of the cave because jesus already went to it so you don't have to stay there but number two he wants to heal the wounds that the shrapnel has caused from your life do you believe that this morning amen i want to say to you this morning this is a safe place for you to get healing I look around this room right now and I just see awesome people filled with the love of Jesus that are all testimonies of the goodness of God. And I honestly believe that you're all trophies of God's grace, just shining you forth on His mantle to shine forth the goodness of God in your life. It's His goodness that we're here today. So in other words, this warning has to do with proximity. Don't get close when the bomb goes off, right? When they go down, you'll go down with them. I just want to make a couple statements. As I've been praying about this, these thoughts came to mind, and I just want to read them to you. Friends who aren't careful with their lives will not be careful with yours. Friends who don't take care of themselves will not take care of you. Friends who don't take care of their marriages won't look out for yours. Friends who are foolish with their finances will be foolish with yours. Friends who avoid guardrails will help you avoid guardrails also. Okay? You need healthy guardrails with your friends and your relationships. 
You need something in your life to alert your conscience to the danger that lurks just on the other side. Amen? Now, your conscience should light up when a couple of things happen. Are you ready? With regards to friendships. When your core group isn't moving in the same spiritual direction as you, that should tell you something. Now, I want to say very before we get all these weird ideas, that doesn't mean don't be a friend. But I'm, don't be friendly. But what I'm saying to you is, is if, if that relationship in the end is going to harm you, is going to cause shrapnel to be in your life, you have to use wisdom as to how close your friendship is. Okay? How intimate. How much you share. How much details you go through. Okay? Because I honestly believe that there's people that are fools that need to be healed. Right? Okay, good. So when people are heading, where people are heading is a good indication of where they're leading. Okay? Second thing is this. When you catch yourself pretending to be someone that you're not, in order to maintain a friendship with somebody, that should be a warning sign. If you're trying to be somebody that you're not, in order to appease the other relationship or the friend, that should be a huge warning sign to you that this is not worth your time. Because they don't love and validate and value who you are. And if they're not going to place value in, on who you are, then you should not ever allow their voice to speak into your life. Listen to this. A distorted you in a distorted friendship leads to a distorted vision for your future. That's how it is. Third thing is this. When you feel pressure to compromise your values... Just run away. Okay? Friends who value you should value what is valuable to you. Amen? That was a good point. Thank you. All right, moving right along. Fourth thing, and this is the last kind of warning regarding friendships here. When you hope the people you care about most don't find out where you've been or whom you've been with, I should tell you something. If you're trying to protect something or hide something, how many know that when we bring something into darkness, darkness is the realm of where the enemy works. But if we have the courage to bring something into the light, then God will heal it. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Proverbs 22 verses 24 to 25 says this, Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. Or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. I want to say this morning, don't confuse uh, guardrails with a lack of love or concern. That's not what I'm saying. You know, sometimes we got this mindset that, you know, okay, these are people I should avoid, so therefore I'm never going to talk to them. I'm never going to respond to them. I'm never going to pick up the phone. I'm never going to reply to their texts. I'm never going to respond to their Facebook messaging. I say it like this. Just make sure that whatever context you're in, you're doing what Jesus did, which was in every sinful environment, He led the atmosphere. He controlled the atmosphere. He led the conversation. He controlled that. And so if you're going to get into a situation where it's completely unhealthy over and over and over again, it's going to affect you eventually. Okay? I want to also say this. Don't place your personal guardrails on somebody else. Okay? There's certain things in all of your lives that you're going to have guardrails that are basically touching the side of the road. So you, don't even have, you haven't even given yourself a shoulder. You haven't even given yourself anything because you know for that area in your life, the guardrails need to be really close because you are weak in those areas, right? 
So be careful. Don't put your guardrails on somebody else. And if I can say this this morning, don't use social media as an opportunity to go deeper with someone. That's not reality. Okay? When you're going to go deeper with someone, face-to-face is the best way. Jesus, thankfully, understood face-to-face ministry. Now, can we use texting and phones and, and Facebook and Twitter and all these other things to kind of get across messages? But I'm really concerned, if I can be honest this morning, I'm really concerned at the depth of relationship that we have going on online. And yet that's not really happening face-to-face. It's all happening online. That's concerning. It should be concerning to you as well. Now again, you know, I text, we email, we do all that kind of stuff as well because we know that there's certain things that are just easy. Sandra will text me, hey honey, on your way home from the meeting, can you grab milk? No problem. Why, why waste time calling? Just shoot me a text, right? It's awesome. But if we're carrying on long text conversations that are like this, I, I would say to you, take that time, say, hey, what are you doing right now? Oh, nothing. Let's connect at Timmy's or Starbucks or Coffee Co., whatever your choice, and let's, let's connect for 20 minutes or half an hour. It's far better to connect in person because that is where real life happens. Do you believe that? Amen? Okay. I want to end with a thought. And I want this thought to just stick into you and never leave you for the rest of your life. We don't plan to mess up our lives any more than we plan to wreck our cars. The problem is we don't plan not to. Guardrails are your plan not to. Amen? No, none of us are going to leave this place this morning, get in our cars and say, you know, I'm just going to go wreck my car today. That's awesome. And I'm going to make sure it's a good one. Like, you know, NASCAR. I wanted to, like, rival some of the best NASCAR, you know, explosions off the sidewall coming around the last corner. You know, we don't think that way. And most people... If they're honest, most people don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to make a decision today that's going to mess up the rest of my life and I'm going to enjoy the negative consequences for the next 20 years. So I'm going to choose this decision. We don't do that. But what those poor choices usually reveal is not that your heart is awful and bad and you're a bad person, but what it reveals is you did not have healthy guardrails into your life to protect you from what was on the other side. Amen? Guardrails not only protect, they direct. If I can say it like this, and the guardrails that I've personally chosen to put into my life, they've helped me hear the voice of God better because I've shut out other voices. Other voices don't have a way into my life anymore. I don't give them the time of day because I believe that the voice of God in my life, speaking clearly and me responding to it and obeying it, will absolutely protect me from really bad choices and bad decisions in my life. So if I can this morning, I want to change our original definition. Here's the original definition. It was this, a structure designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And this morning, I want to propose a new definition. It's simply this, a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. The more that we love Jesus, the more that our conscience becomes tuned in to the very things that would break God's heart. And then we don't want to break his heart. So we don't do it because we don't, you know, my mother told me not to do it or the pastor said don't do it. We do it because we love Jesus so much that we don't want to hurt his heart. We don't want to disappoint him. You know? 
I honestly believe this particular message, this thought, can save your life. I believe it. Because it saved mine. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 